Good morning. Cannot believe it's our Christmas service already. I uh, hope that you've enjoyed um, the guests that we had here this morning. hope you've enjoyed the decorations and we got our poinsettias in on Friday. Uh, ladies of the church decorated uh, the church for us and so it looks beautiful and I'm thankful for that. Um, I, uh, it's, it's been an in- incredible uh, 2020 and so I want to open us up in a word of prayer and we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that before we get in the word of God. Let's pray together one more time. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that we're able to meet in this way, um, Lord, in this time, uh, this challenging time that we're in. Thank you, that, thank you for the live stream team, for Noel and Clyde and Kevin and the rest of the team, and um, just that we are able to communicate in this manner and, and preach the gospel in this manner. And so we give you the glory. So Lord, at this time that we're in now, we've, we've, we've worshiped you in song, we've worshiped you in our giving, now we worship you in your word. And Thank you for this word that we're about to read that is spoken to people for 2,000 years. Speak to us now as we speak in the birth of your son. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, this morning, as I said, I was going to talk about 2020. And uh, guys, we've got two more weeks to go uh, this year. And it has been a year of uh, just unbelievable uh, unbelievable year. Uh, I call it a year of unmet expectations, uh, a year of shock, um, a year that, that we've seen uh, humanity as we truly are. Um, you know, we cover it well, up well in America, but God revealed it uh, this year. And so we've seen a lot of strife, racial strife, political strife. The Lord's revealed our sinfulness, our selfishness, our individualism. Um, we've learned in this year how little we are in control, and that we need Jesus. Amen? We need Jesus. Uh, we've heard, we all, all have heard the saying, the best laid plans of mice and men. There's a reality that we have our plans, but our plans don't often work out the way that we want them to. And so I'm speaking to you at home, perhaps in, 19, in 2020, uh, and, and I know we've had this in our congregation. Uh, we, you've lost some family members. Some of our church members have lost multiple family members. And, and there's been a challenge even in how we grieve for them because of the, of the virus. You can't grieve the way we normally grieve in small groups of people. And, and, and so you've had that shock. Maybe you had plans for a relationship and it didn't work out the way you expected. It, it is not easy to, to date someone during a pandemic, I'll say that, okay? You've you got to really take a big risk taking off that mask. And many of you didn't plan on, on losing your business or your job. We've had multiple businesses in my community where, that are shuttered up. Um, my word to you this morning is whatever it is that you're struggling with, I want to offer hope to you this morning. I want you to know that in the midst of the chaos, God is in control. No matter how crazy things get, God is still in control and he has a larger plan at work And we're going to talk about that larger plan this morning. And so this morning as we prepare for Christmas, I want us to look at Christmas from a little different angle. Uh, I want us to turn to, we're going to start in Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 to 5 and and see how Christmas is is more about trees. There's nothing wrong with trees and lights and gifts. We have them all up in our house. But but it's, it's more than that. 
It's part of God's great plan for you and for me and for all of the people that he's called to himself. And so if you could read with me, we're going to start in Galatians chapter 4. Start with the first two verses, 4 and 5. Galatians 4 reads, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. I read this in the ESV version. I love that, that, that picture there. It says, when the fullness of time had come. Have you ever wondered, and we talked a little bit about this last Sunday, have you ever wondered why the birth of Christ happened when it did? Why did God wait 400 years after the last of the Old Testament prophets to send Jesus? Why were there 400 years of silence? And while the timing of, of Jesus' birth may never be fully understood this side of heaven. There, there are some amazing things that I want you to notice that were going on when Jesus was born. It might fill this in for you. First of all, the Roman Empire, that the Jews were under Roman rule at that time, the Roman Empire had made safe, made safe travel possible, and they built major roads within the empire, allowing the gospel to go to spread throughout a huge area in a short period of time. Secondly, the Greek language is spoken by so many people, it was a common language at that time, that the gospel could easily be communicated to many people in the same language. And thirdly, many Jews had been waiting so long, so long to hear from God again, many were ready to receive him when Jesus arrived. My brothers and sisters, God sent his son at just the right moment in human history when in his providence he directed and prepared peoples and nations for the incarnation and the ministry of Jesus Christ and the proclamation of the gospel. In Luke 2, which we're going to look at in just a moment, we're told of Simeon and that he was waiting for Israel's consolation in the temple. And in chapter 2, verse 20, verse 20, 38, it says, talks of the prophetess Anna that she began to give thanks to God and speak of to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Did you catch that? All who were waiting. People were waiting for the Messiah, for God. And you see God, God often works that way. I don't want you to miss it. He knows when you and I are willing to listen. And I, I believe even with this pandemic that's going on in our country. He has shaken up our country. He's shaken up the world. He's shaken up his church. He's got our attention. And he knows exactly when his plans can be accomplished. And so our Lord is never too late. He's never too early. But he's right on time. Amen? He's right on time. I'm going to start with Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 24. We're going to focus on those three verses first. It says, on the eighth day when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. And when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. Now offer a sacrifice in keeping what, with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. My first point this morning is that Joseph and Mary performed everything with Jesus according to the law of the Lord. Jewish families in that time went through several ceremonies after birth. The first was circumcision. Every boy was circumcised on the eighth day after birth, and circumcision symbolized the, the Jews' separation from Gentiles and their unique relationship with God. 
The second, uh, second ceremony was the redemption of the first child. And th- this I love. I, w- I want you guys to focus on this. The first bun- firstborn son was presented to God one month after birth. This ceremony included buying back or redeeming the child from God through an offering. Get this. It was a way for the parents to acknowledge the reality that their child belonged to the Lord, who alone has the power to give light. That's something for all of us as parents that we need to understand. My children do not belong to me. They are a gift from God. And I am required to be a good steward of them. And we need to realize that our children are a gift from the Lord. And so, and then lastly, there was a purification of the mother. For 40 days after the birth of the son, the mother was considered ceremonially unclean and she couldn't enter the temple. But after that time, the parents were to bring a lamb, a pigeon, or a dove as a sin offering. And the priest would sacrifice that animal and then declare her to be clean. And we see with Joseph and Mary, as I talked to you last week, they were really common people. They couldn't afford a lamb, and that's why they brought uh, pigeons and doves uh, to, for the sacrifice. We can move on. Verse 25, we're going to read verses 25 uh, to 33, and we're going to talk about Simeon, a man called Simeon. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. And moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for, do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took the child in his arms and praised God, saying this, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a life for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your, your people, Israel. And the, it says the fathers, the child's father and mother marveled at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, Mary his mother, this child is destined to call the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And it says the sword will pierce your soul too. The next point is that there were those that were expectantly waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And, and I want you to notice, if you read this, how much it talks about the Holy Spirit. First of all, Simeon was righteous and a devout man. And he was wait, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And, and it, it talks about that consolation of Israel. What that means is, is that the hope that God would rescue and comfort his people. The Jews were under Roman rule. And, and, and they'd been in, in cap, 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 captivity and and been through so much, and they were looking for the Messiah to rescue and comfort them. And, and then I want you to notice how much it talks about the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit was on him. In that time, it was different than it is for you and I now. You and I now, when we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in us. It's, it lives in our hearts. At the time, in that time, the Holy Spirit would come on a person at that time. And, and so the Holy Spirit was on him. And so he had a closeness with the Lord. And it says the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And I love verse 27. It says, moved by the Spirit. So the Spirit is leading him. He's guiding him. He's going through the temple courts. And he basically tracks down the child. He sees the child and what he's been waiting for all this time. And so the Holy Spirit's just leading and guiding him. And he talks about sovereign Lord. 
Now, sovereign Lord means something that, that I, I wish Brother David was here, because uh, if David knew I was here, he would say, God is God all by himself. He's, God doesn't need anybody else to be God. And, and so God is sovereign. God is in control, and God keeps his promises. And, and he says right then and there, he basically says, I can go home now. He says, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I've seen your salvation. And so he's like, my life is complete. I've seen what I've been waiting for. And then I don't want you to miss what the writer Luke talks about in this, this Luke, writer Luke stresses something in this passage. It says, he stresses that salvation that Jesus was bringing was not just for Israel, but also for the Gentile, Gentiles as well. It says, to all who believe. And so he wanted to stress that. And then the last several verses, uh, first of all, this is the second person that's prophesying about the child. We saw that earlier. Um, and, and, and so he goes on, and Simeon really opens up. He, he shares what this child's going to do. He says, this child's going to cause the falling of many people and rising of others and, and, and this being a sign that would be spoken against. And he talks about the thoughts of, the, of, the, of many hearts will be revealed. And, and basically what he's saying is there is going to be no neutral ground with Jesus. People would either believe and joyfully accept and receive him while others would reject him. And then you see the first note of sorrow in the book of Luke as he, he talks about that sword that would pierce her soul as, as, as his mother Mary sees that happening in his life as he lives it out. So he's prophesying about what's to come. Last thing, I'm going to read the last four verses, starting with verse uh, 36, and we're going to talk about the prophetess Anna. Uh, it says in verse 36, it says, There was also a prophetess Anna, the daughter of Peniel of the tribe of Asher. It said, She was very old, and she'd lived with her husband seven years after marriage. And then she was a widow until she was 84. And it goes on to talk about her. That she never left the temple. She worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. And then she's coming to them at that very moment. She, and so the family is coming to her at that very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And went on and finally to say, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own home back in the little town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong and he was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was on him. It's the word of the Lord. So the picture here that, that we see is that there were those that were waiting for the redemption of Israel. And, and it, it talks about, as I said earlier, all who were waiting. And so people were ready. People were waiting for this moment. And, and so, as I said earlier, God works in this way. He, he brings us to the point where he knows that we're willing to listen. And, you know, as I think about this and I think about the pandemic and what's happened this year, I've seen people that were not willing to listen that are now willing to listen. I, I remember when the pandemic started last year, in January last year, uh, our country, our, our stock market was sitting all-time records. Um, we were very profitable. Everything was going well. And yet, if you were a part of the church at large, not just our church, any church, the church was being kind of pushed into irrelevance. Churches were dying. As a matter of fact, I talked to um, uh, our, our, our representative of the state. And he said, 
80% of, of, of some SBC churches were, were in a state of dying. And, and, and so in the midst of all that, the church, you know, we were praying for revival. And, and we get a pandemic. And I wonder about that and, and why and the purposes of that. But one of the things that I've seen that has happened in this time is people have gotten to a point of knowing that they are not in control, that they don't have the answer. When you lose your business, when you lose your job, they're looking for hope. And we have that hope. And so God is at work in the midst of this pandemic as people are now willing to listen and they're seeking and open uh, as they were not open before. And he knows exactly when his plans can be accomplished. So I pray that, that the Lord in this season that we're in would accomplish his purposes and that we would be part of those purposes. I want you to talk about, uh, finally, what, go back to Simeon and Anna. They were very old, but they never lost their hope that they would see the Messiah. And so they were walking in expectancy that they were going to see. And they were led by the Holy Spirit. And because they were led by the Holy person, the Holy Spirit, they were among the first to bear witness to Jesus. In Jewish culture, this is wonderful, elders were respected. And thus, because of Simeon's and Anna's ages, their prophecies actually carried even more weight. The prophetess Anna, I want, I want you to know, that she, she had a hard life when you think about it. I mean, she'd been a widow a long time. She was only married seven years before she became a window, widow. But Anna discovered something. And that, and that is that God can make every season of life meaningful and useful. The long years of widowhood were also effective years of worship and service to the Lord. And both Simeon and Anna dedicated their lives to God. And they were rewarded in their closeness and their relationship with him. I can't help, when I, when I was reading this, I couldn't help but think about the senior saints in our church. Those of you that know the makeup of our church, you know that we have a lot of older members. And, and a lot of, I call them our young at hearts. Uh, and, and they're the ones that have been there, they've done that, got the t-shirt there. They, they are not shaken easily by the, the things of this world that are going on. And, and they've just, during the season, just helped carried me. I mean, they, they've just been there, they've prayed for me, they lifted me up, they've, they said, they've stressed, God is in control in the midst of this. They walk in faith. And, and many of them do what Anna did. It talks about what she did, what she worshiped night and day. I mean, they're spending this time with the Lord fasting and praying. She, they, they, they would rather spend time with the Lord than eat, you know. And, and I think about people like Cecile and Julie and, and Lydia and many others that are part of our church. Many of you that are just so, you, you guys remind me of, of Simeon and Anna. And, and, and so my prayer for us as a church is that we would have the faith and hope of Simeon and Anna and that we would wait expectantly for the Lord and that we would wait for the Lord to bring revival and, and, and so that we have that expect, um, expecting that. And then the other part that I want to leave you with as I prepare to close. You know, I thought about the fact of celebrating Jesus' birth today. But I also thought about the fact that he's coming again. And, and I don't know about you, but it feels sooner than later. And I think sometimes it's so far away that we... We, we lose that hope or we lose that expectancy. But it's fresh in my mind right now. And so you know, I want to say that, that this, this is the time. If you're listening today to this message and, and you don't know Jesus Christ, tomorrow is not promised. 
It really isn't. And we, we, we know, we've learned that through this virus. You're not promised that you're going to get the vaccine before you get the, the virus. And so I encourage you, I urge you, I exhort you to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who can save you not only from, from physical death but from internal death. You and I as followers of Jesus Christ, we, we get the same opportunity to have that close relationship that Simeon and Anna had. Not only that, we get eternity with him. Eternity means no more sin, just joy with the Lord where we'll be with him and bless him forever. And, 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 and the, as we close, that was the plan all along. The plan was for Jesus to come, for Christmas to happen, for the door of the kingdom to be open to all who believe. He came to make a way where there was no way. He came as we took communion together to live, to walk this earth, to die on that cross for you and for me that we might have a chance to have that relationship with him. And then also that we might have the relationship and opportunity to offer that relationship with others. And so for those of you there, I encourage you to, to put your trust in Christ and, and for the forgiveness of, of, of your sins and to become part of his family. And so as we move forward, I, as I said earlier, I talked about the best laid plans of mice and men. My question is, are you willing to lay your plans down before the Lord and surrender your life to him and allow him to lie to lead, to lead and guide you forward. Let's close in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your son. Lord, we thank you for those saints, Simeon and Anna, their examples, the Lord, that they were waiting expectantly for you. Lord, we pray that we would be the same way, that we would be waiting for you and, 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 and Lord, allowing you to lead our lives. And, and Lord, we pray that in the midst of this season, that we would continue as long as it is day. We know you're going to come again, but as long as it is day, that we would be on mission for you. Lord, serving the needs of the poor, serving those that are in need, and leading them in the relationship with you. That's why we're here. That's why you've left us here. So Lord, help continue to help us to be faithful to do that. We look forward to your coming again. Go with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.